1: Saturday morning and here come the girls Ray and Faye with Let's Talk Gardening
0: And Happy New Year, gardening friends. We're excited to be chatting with you again about all things gardening. Don't be shy with your calls because the team is ready. And a very special lady called Bev Daring will greet you on the phone when you do call in Chief Researcher and Garden Show Chef. John Glidden is with us again as well. And you can send your emails to us as well as phoning in by going to gardening at curtainfn.com.au. It was great to see Alan Simons again. I must say, I do love his delivery of national headlines, facts and frivolity and great music. Peter Kelly supported The Breakfast Show today. Thank you, Peter. And uh, our cycling DJ Jim Crinan wrapped up breakfast with his... Cycling update. Thank you very much, boys. Fayakara, here we are. Good morning, Ray. We're back. We are back. Woohoo. What a yeah, exactly. What a what a nice little break we've had. We and have and what a warm we? day we're coming back to. Well, that's summer. It is what it is. (laughs) Yep, that's why we're here. (laughs) I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to complain. And, uh, yes, so we're looking forward to hearing uh, from you and we'd love to know what you've been doing in your gardening. And no doubt, like all of us, you'll have had trials and tribulations over the past six weeks, I think we've had off air over Christmas and New Year. So I spent a bit of it asleep, let me tell you. Oh, particularly that's between good. Christmas You needed and New year. it. Absolutely. It's one of the only times of the year where I feel that... Client-wise, because I work here in sales, uh, client-wise it's it's quiet and there's no expectation of me and I just absolutely go. Uh, I had a nana nap every day. I mean, Nothing I,
2: wrong with that.
0: Well, no. It was becoming the norm, however. <laughs> <laughs> I still like to do it. Yeah. So, no, but uh, I've done quite a bit in the garden, always a lot more to do. Um but it's been good. I've had tasks that I set myself each day and I got through them and probably more each day. A lot of replanting, a lot of moving things around. Some things were cold, more coming in. My little aroid addiction oh, are shining through. Goodness. Not so
2: little now, good, Ray.
0: Goodness help me uh, because, yeah, um, it's all good and well buying these specialist plants. You've got to be able to know how to look after them and you've got to have the right conditions. And a lot of them come from specific growing conditions when you buy them and then you take them out of that and that can be very hard and Mm. yeah be aware of all of those things because when you buy as I've been doing buying uh, plants online be careful of how they're being grown because they're growing in tents and you know special special environments Mm. yeah to make them look so spectacular and that's how they grow because that's simulating isn't it their their natural environment and how are you transitioning them when you get them well i'm trying to be super careful but i'm not always winning so Mm. because you know you need humidifiers you need the right you know uh, a lot of the plants like that humidity they like warmth they like some moisture not too much some like more than others some like to be misted on oh, no, and on it goes. This one likes that, and that one likes this. So, yeah. have you got misters or have you no. got sprays? No, I do it manually myself at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So, which, and that's a
2: good way because the yeah. best protection that you can give your plants is yeah. your shadow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, but don't worry about us. We want to know about you. We do have some emails to crack through. And yeah. And do you know, we are, you and I, I was looking at this yesterday, we are rabbits. We are born in the sign of the rabbit. Well, <laughs> Okay. Is that why they keep
2: appearing on my
0: lawn? I think so, (laughs) Faye. Yeah, I think so. And it's a symbol of longevity, peace and prosperity. And 2023 (laughs) is predicted to be a year of hope. So (laughs) interpret that in a thousand different ways. Hope. What do we hope? I hope the rabbits will go elsewhere. And eat someone else's (laughs) garden. No, No, I hope they will just go. Eat somewhere else. (laughs) I know. And uh, we have a question coming up from Wayne of Willerton about vinkers. Do the seeds fall before the flower falls over and dies or are the seeds still in the flowers? Hope that makes sense. (laughs) Well,
2: I suspect that the flower petals drop off and the seed swells. Uh, There is an ovary, which is the female part of the flower, that swells. It will dry off and harden and either split open or drop for the flower's the, the new plants to grow.
0: And it's certainly vinca season right now. Oh, yes. It? Yeah, yes. and they put on a great show.
2: And this morning, I that's know. a great segue. I know, I know what you're going <laughs> to say. I'll leave it
0: oh, up to you, Ray. Oh, well, we're chatting at 20 past eight, which is very soon, uh, to Trevor Gay from Sunnyvale Wholesale Nursery. And we're talking about summer survivors for a splash of colour. And uh, I was in the nursery this week actually looking just exactly for that, a splash of colour Mm. here and there to replace other things that have had, had their day. And I do like that every now and then. I don't have to be uh, fancy pansy I don't mind just going out and buying some annuals and just giving things a bit of a burst. It's delightful to you spot them around. You
2: cannot beat the impact of a pot, a large pot yeah. of flowering annuals. Yeah, and they can give you more value than perhaps Absolutely. a bunch of flowers. Absolutely, and every time. You know, we live in a, in a wonderful climate here where outdoor entertaining in the evening is just the bee's knees
3: mm-hmm. and
2: so to have that splash of color to welcome people when they arrive and and add a extra bit of bling
0: yeah and there's a new release coming out. Now, I don't know if it's in the nurseries yet, and I saw it online this week called Pachoa. So it's a hybrid across between the Calabracoa and the Petunia. And Calabracoa, also known as Millions Bells, uh, which I adore because I love that smaller little flower, and a Petunia. So it's got, a, you can imagine it's somewhere in between the two size wise, mm. and apparently very hardy. And they brought it out in, say, half a dozen colours. So I'm looking out for that one, Pachoa. Pichella. So that's going oh, to be on my shopping list, absolutely. That's funny, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But I, I think that will be a really, that will be a goer. And, of course, we are speaking to Tillo Kruger today about Drosera, which is the sundew. Drosera. Now, Drosera. Okay. Thank you for correcting that's, me. Okay. I, tr- I try. I know, that's okay, right? That's all right. Carnivorous plants. I know. I know. I know factually Dean Martin is tuning in because I know. he's a huge fan of carnivorous plants and I think he's really excited about our little segment coming up at five past nine. Well
2: there's a lot to be excited about in this story and it's hard to pick an angle on Mm. on what's the most important. You know I was looking I, I had trouble putting together the show to kick off the year because I didn't want something like the rest of the year. I wanted something with a message, something that really warmed people up the sustainable angle: How can we do things better? Type thing, and bang, this this happened uh, days ahead of um, our show coming back, and I just knew that was the story
0: mm. to to kick off this year with. And WA does it again.
2: Well, yeah, it does, doesn't you know, it? I know. And what is wrong with us, West Australians, Ray? Not that that people have to come from all over the world to live here. Because, because what, what they we have love because our biodiversity, mm-hmm. I know. and here we are popping in exotics yeah. and doing all yeah. these things. You know, West Australian gardeners um, just take a, a leaf out of the book of those that have come here to study our plants, and yeah. I can think of a few.
0: Yeah,
2: and from Ireland, from Germany,
0: yeah.
2: um, and they come here because we have the most unique Unique
0: ecosystem
2: Mm -hmm. and we're losing it but Mm. let's not wait for our plants to go extinct let's value them now recognize what's out there and when we talk to tillo we'll find more about how how everyday people can make a difference we go on holidays we go walking many of us have phones and cameras these days the information age is upon us, and the way we share information and learn from each other has never been easier. So let's use it to our advantage and make things better for the future.
4: Yeah,
0: well, well said. Oh, we have a question about Crepe Myrtle. Now, that will be one of my favourite trees. Cynthia, good morning.
4: Good morning, girls. Good oh. morning. I have a crepe more at Myrtle. She's about forty years old. Wow! Now she was my, she was my mum's, and then I inherited her, and I've had her all twenty five years. But she's she's in a pot because she's a prostate, and she's been in this pot a long, long time. And I believe she's put a tap root down. But last year, when she started to leave, to come back to life, it's been very hard. She's got very few leaves. Um, only now I think we've got the tiniest little bud coming up. Has she reached the end of her days?
2: No, no, I don't think so, Cynthia. I think if she's in a pot uh, with a lot of plants, we need to pot them on and give them more room. Now, if she's put down a tap root at like, what is the pot made of?
4: It's a porcelain pot.
2: Okay. Quite so, a big one, quite a large one, yeah. Yeah, okay. But she's run out of... Um, Goodness in the potting mix, undoubtedly. Okay. The The taproot's keeping her going, but she's probably filled the drainage hole in the bottom of the pot. Yeah, um, oh. I reckon you need a, a little bit of a renovation going here. How long has that pot been in that position, do you think? S- seven years. Yeah. So I would be reluctant to cut that taproot off and pot it on. What I think you could do is look at uh, building or creating some sort of raised area outside of the pot and then breaking the pot away and then filling that area. So it's, it's like repotting, but you're not destroying yeah. the taproot and you're allowing more room because I, I think that taproot's probably choking the hole. For one thing. Uh,
4: Mm. Right. Uh, Another, well, perhaps another alternative would it be to take nearly all the the soil out and fill it with fresh stuff or would that be wasteful?
2: Uh, Part of the problem is that pot. I think you're going to have to break the pot and take that away. cool. Yeah, okay. You'll be able to see what you're dealing with, but that might give you a better idea. But the fact that the taproot's in the ground, I think you might need to... Create a, a a bed for that plant, a raised okay, bed. Okay,
4: so once that yeah. Okay, so once that's done, clean it all out. Put a, maybe put a surround around it somehow. Yes, to retain it because I don't want to go in everywhere. She's just an old old girl. Of, yes, of yes. Sounds gnarly, but we didn't get many this year. Now there are um,
2: there's some. Um, I'm thinking something like Form Boss. You may be able to. Get something in parts like semi-circles, mm,
0: even yeah, soap yeah. well
2: type things, concrete. Oh, yeah. That yeah. that come in parts and you build it and then you can kind of strap it. You can make it look pretty. You yeah. can paint it or whatever. Yeah. But that will yeah. keep it in situ and you can add some good potting mix around that top and, and make it nice. Give us some love compost and seaweed products and good. I reckon yeah. she'll be fine.
4: Oh, thank goodness! Because I didn't want to lose her. Yeah. No.
0: What color is it? I've never. She's purple. Uh huh. Lovely. Yeah. And I did, another
4: thing, I've never tried it, but can I take a cutting and make a, another one from her? Oh yes, please try. Okay. So because they're a bit poor this year, I can take some away when she's finished supposedly flowering. Well,
2: I I think once you do she that renovation, yeah. Yeah. I think you'll yeah. get some new growth. Um. Yeah. You can trim away anything that's dead, dying and and yeah. diseased. But be careful. This week is going to be a hot week. So oh,
4: I'm not d- doing it this week. No. I won't do it to her now. I don't want to spoil her now, but I'm having to cover her because the sun is so hot that all the new leaves are starting to crisp up a bit.
2: Yes. Um, give it some seaweed too, that will help. Diluted yeah. Okay, seaweed. My love. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so very much. All oh, right.
4: You've given me faith
2: and I'm coming back. <laughs> uh-huh. We have to think outside Thank the you. pot, Cynthia. Yeah. <laughs>
4: Thank you very much. Okay. Bye for now. Have a good day. Bye, girls. Bye.
0: And Michael phoned in from Chewett Hill. He has three hydrangeas, cut, cuttings, that he has taken. They're all healthy. When is the right time to separate?
2: So I guess he's taken the cuttings and they've developed roots. mm and so now if they've got roots, time to pot them on and um, put them into some good quality mix and and encourage some growth, establish mm. them. Because they will grow now. I would put them in a, a semi-shaded area. They'll love the morning sun. Mm. They do well in a shade house. Mm. Um, but definitely something with filtered light. And they w- they will do well now with moisture.
5: Yeah.
0: All right, let's head to Mundaring. Good morning, Margaret. Happy New Year to good, you.
5: Good morning, girls. Yeah, Happy New Year to you. And to you too, Margaret.
2: I was thinking of you when I was uh, picking some Alstroemerias this week.
5: Oh, I, I, yeah, yours, are, yours are doing very well, thank you.
2: Oh, good. Good. I was wondering how they were getting on. Are they giving you any flowers?
5: Oh, yes just recently yes, yes oh good since christmas i think
2: wow yes. that's good and yes. a nice old variety because i
5: like power feed
2: right yes that would help them for sure
5: okay look just a quick question about some clivias. i had some help yesterday and i do de- de- repotted all my clivias. gosh they don't mm. waste time in multiplying do they no, no they don't i've now got about I've now got about 20 pots on my front veranda that I've got to keep watering because I'm – will they flower before uh, the end of this season? Well,
2: it was funny. I was thinking about you this week and thinking we need to talk about Clivias or Clivias um, because I remember you telling me that they like a bigger pot and they do because they will fill it out very quickly and they're a plant that will survive on neglect. I've got some in a garden under Melaleuca that barely get a splash of water and they're still green and going well. But for best results, they need feeding. And, of course, now is the time to start feeding them up.
0: February is a good time. Yeah. Mm. So i give
5: them power feed once a fortnight. Is that too much?
2: No, no, that's fine. And another thing right now with the heat that we've got... For even a lot of sensitive plants, they will still be growing, but weekly, weekly is the answer. So a weak solution, weekly.
0: Oh, Um, okay. And a little tickle of pot ash.
5: It was such a big job. They were soaking in sea salt while we were sort of getting the pots ready and Mm. so on. So and had to cut off a mountain of roots. Yes, um, yeah. It's a big job, but it's
2: worth doing.
5: Yes, yeah. Because well, they flower well on my front brand of South Facing. Yep,
4: lovely. So they not
5: don't, don't like the sun at all, really. No, no, That's they good. don't. All right, thanks for your call, you Margaret. Go. Thank you. Okay, bye. bye. bye
0: Cheers. Okay, we'll be back shortly. Radio. And we have Trevor Gay online from Sunnyvale Wholesale Nursery. Happy New Year, Trevor.
1: Yes, yes happy New Year, you. Yep. Uh, good
2: morning, and and yep. welcome to the hot weather.
1: Yes, we we finally got to get a little bit of summer. It's been uh, pretty mild so far, isn't it? Relatively,
2: oh, yes. Yep. <laughs> so I bet yep. that's good for your growing, Trevor.
1: It it has been it certainly made it a lot easier uh, this summer, that's for sure. Um, particularly compared to last summer, it was pretty uh, pretty pretty wild last summer, but certainly it um, yeah, made life a lot easier and uh, kinder to the plants, that's for sure.
2: And what are you yeah. finding people are after? Like, mm-hmm. what's moving in the nurseries and what are they asking
5: for?
1: Well, the, the good thing is vegetable sales and herbs. Vegetable and herb sales have been still been going along very, very steadily. We thought after the last couple of years it, it might sort of drop off, people sort of lose favour on it, but... Uh, I think with the, uh, we always got to look at economy and weather and everything else. And yeah. um, I, I think people, you know, they're looking at any way they can to to possibly save a few dollars each week. And um, and so vegetable sales have generally been going very well. And I think people sort of got back used to growing some of their own veggies again. And that's making a big difference. Well,
0: and that's... When you can certainly when you consider what you're paying for veggies in the supermarket as well. <laughs> yes. And you're going to grow something far superior anyway. Yeah, that's that's
1: too true. It is more enjoyable, that's the thing. Pick it
0: fresh.
2: So, Ray Mm. and I were talking a little bit earlier about adding a splash of colour for summer. My
0: favourite.
2: What can you recommend?
1: (laughs) Okay, well, I suppose if we look at the toughest lines, particularly for this this time of the year, um, the the Marigolds uh, Mm. are quite resilient. Um, and petunias, portulacas, and vincas are probably my top four yeah. uh, choices for the for what for the for this warmer part of the uh, of the year for sure and and they 're all pretty pretty resilient you know they can even if they dry back a bit and uh you're just that little bit like getting the water on they bounce back. Up. They'll, they'll bounce back that's that's the advantage here and they'll 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 keep on flowering that's for sure and
2: yeah. what sort of colours are there trevor <clears throat> uh, are we looking at pastels or vibrant?
1: <laughs> I think vibrant is probably very much the word. Marigolds are still very limited to you, to your to your oranges through to yellows. Yeah, orange yellow gold um, is is pretty much colours of marigolds. There's there's not much else uh, choice that uh, that works well here. Um, petunias you got pretty good broad range. Everything yeah. from even the uh, the Prism Sunshine that we that we sell it it's, it is a yellow but it's a quite sort of light yellow and outside of that you've got, you've pretty well much covered all the other colours except for orange, we're still waiting for that orange petunia to come out <laughs> one day mm. Something <laughs> to look out it. for. Yeah, something to look out for and of course Portulaca yeah. Uh, yeah, in the mix you get a, a very good range and then you've got a few of the separate colours if you just want to go that way and Vingers pretty well cover off the main colours. Obviously, you've got the mix of colours, everything, and then your whites and reds and apricots and uh, lilacs uh, make up the, the, the bulk of the uh, separate colours. Yeah. Mm.
2: And what about herbs?
1: Right, Well, herbs. T- I'll just make a bit of a quick list of the uh, the top sellers. Obviously, you're running through basils, and uh, we still do the chilies in, in, in what we call our, the, the potted wok range, but. Um, there's other lines like the the, the lemongrass, um, which of course a bunch of plant lemongrass, and mm. but obviously keep it into a, keep put it into a large pot, let yeah. that one run, and the same with mint. Mm. That's better kept into a pot as well because otherwise they end up taking over. But but the thing is with, with those two is that they're they're you got them forever pretty much. And um, uh, and and even if they get a bit gangly and and wildly, you can chop them down and replant and go again. Um, and looking after our little furry friends, the cat grass is is just it's just gone from strength to strength uh, year after year. So obviously, a lot of people with uh, with animals now more yeah. than what they used to be. My my and,
0: dog uh, loves
2: it. Loves it.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. What is cat grass? Well, <laughs> it's well, it's do describe it? I'm trying to think of the. Um, the actual botanical name, which slips my mind at the moment, but basically, apparently, yeah, and it's it's good for the animal's gut. Basically, that's what it comes oh. down to, and um, and probably particularly more with with uh, cats that are probably more indoor. You know, they're not, they're not meant to roam the streets these days. And uh, having having some cat grass in in your backyard or whatever like that is uh, is good for them. And, uh, yeah, so they they uh, they love them. That that's something that yeah, it's a it's a very strong seller now. Yeah. Makes up about as much as almost as much as I sell parsley. So wow, well, that's
0: interesting. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know, I'm a buyer yeah. of it, and because my girl, yeah. she she sort of once it gets uh, growing a little bit and I cut it back, then she's not interested. She likes and yeah, I know she likes it for, bought fresh from the shop, and that's the way <laughs> she likes to eat it. And then after that, she's not so interested anymore. I don't yeah. understand her.
1: No, that's, yeah. a, that's a bit weird, because once you cut it back and feed it up, you've still yeah. got fresh leaves yeah, coming up Yeah, that's so. right.
0: That's right. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm a, I'm a big buyer of it, Trevor. Yes. To please, please, <laughs> my, please my girl. Yes. Very interesting. Uh, yeah, right, yeah, so what, a,
2: what about for the veggie gardeners out there, <laughs> and, Trevor?
1: Yeah, and, and general veggies... Well, I always look at the, you know, the, the things, and this is where um, spring summer lines are uh, coming well, where you get the, the longevity of the crops and you get the value out of them. Um, your bevels, of course, with you, and then you have got your capsicum and chilies, which you can keep on picking. Cucumbers, pumpkins, corn. Um We still sell a lot of corn, although obviously with the corn you get one to two. Um, off each uh, each bush but even so they're still very popular Um, and then of course you've got your eggplants and parsley, tomatoes zucchinis and watermelon which of course keep on producing which gives you that uh, longevity and um, lettuce is still very very popular Um, I think most of the lettuce we grow now are the loose leaf type so you pick what you need and uh, and we still sell the, the iceberg type of course, but uh, most of them are loose leaf, and which which then you, you, you yeah it's one of those long term crops where you just just pick what you need, discard the old leaves, keep feeding them up a bit, and and you get fresh lettuce or uh, mm. whatever you want, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, so that that goes well as well.
2: Uh, what yeah. about beetroot for now?
1: Yeah, beetroot we we do that all year round, and it it's it's one of those lines that just. Keeps on going along with silver beet. They're really much, much the same. Uh, silver beet, of course, you can you can obviously uh, multi pick that too as well. Um, beetroot, of course, once it's formed, uh, you know you, you pull it, and and then people talk about baby beetroot or the large size. Well, at the end of the day, um, if you want a, a, a smaller beetroot, well, just pull it younger. Or if you want to get it up to the full size, mm-hmm. leave it in the ground a bit longer, and uh, and then of course we've got the, the rainbow. Um, a uh, silver beet and and beetroot, ranges as well, which has that bit of extra colour to your salad.
2: Rainbow so, beetroot.
1: Yeah. Yep.
2: <laughs> so is that the leaves or the
1: the root? Oh, the, the actual the actual fruit. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah,
2: the
1: actual core. it's yeah. uh, it, It's quite interesting. So, uh, yeah.
2: I so, do love so, the the rainbow chard for a splash of color in the veggie garden. Yeah.
1: It 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 makes a big difference. Yeah, mm. it, it does. And uh that it makes the garden look a lot brighter and better and uh yeah, of course obviously in the, in, the, in the salad bowl it uh, adds a bit uh adds a bit of color as well, which is what people are after. So uh yeah, it's all and good. And I
5: guess
2: something we don't often talk about is flowers that can go in the veggie garden as companion plants. So uh, yeah. I, I would use things like alyssum
6: mm-hmm.
2: because they will attract the, the lace wings yep. to the garden and help yes predate upon the the um, vegetable pests. Um yep. lavender marigold
1: marigold
5: to keep marigold, the nematodes yes.
2: away. Mm-hmm. What else yep. have you got there, Trevor?
1: Oh look <laughs> to be honest, i you think you've covered the three main ones. Um um, it's not that I'm skeptical about these things, but I've got to be very careful what I what I uh, what I say because uh, the the ones you've mentioned are certainly. The- the most popular, and of course, like I said, you also got to attract uh, attracting bees, insects, yeah. the right kind of insects. We're talking about to uh, yes. to, poll- to pollinate the flowers, of course, and that's where Alyssum very, is very good because it's so perfus in flowering, and, um, and 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 the bees love it. And marigolds, they, they even when we grow them here up into you know, our um, uh, color burst Packs and they're just breaking flour. The girls have got to get down there when they're dispatching and uh, sort of work amongst the bees. Yeah, <laughs> yes.
5: So
6: share it. It's
1: share. all the, yeah, sort of, sort of, share, yeah, sharing the ground a bit. But um, so those, those sort of things have a uh, they're multi-purpose in that sense. But I think you've covered the covered three main ones off here anyway, for sure.
2: Very good, very good. Mm. Well, thank you yeah. very much for your time today, Trevor. And no Yep. Keep up the good work. I don't know what we'd do without you. <laughs>
1: Oh, we'll keep on keeping on. That's the thing, uh, we, isn't it?
0: We love our updates. We love to know what's coming through.
1: No worries. So we'll be speaking okay. to you soon.
0: Hopefully, you take care. Bill
1: we'll Lee, thanks very much. Good thanks, Trevor.
0: Cheers. Okay. Bye. 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 He's one of the nicest men, oh. isn't he? And he's
2: been doing this for many, oh, many years. Yes. The the they are a wholesale nursery, but
0: yeah,
2: um, you can go there. Mm-hmm. Um, they're out in Thornley area, yeah, Huntingdale. Yeah. yeah. And um, oh, it's just mm, addictive, isn't it? When you walk amongst a, a whole heap of mm. seedlings, and mm. my mind instantly takes me to what the garden will look like after I've planted them all.
0: Yeah, so yeah, you can visualise that. Yeah,
2: and yeah. I've learnt a few things over the years. Um, like you don't buy a punnet; you buy a tray. Yes, and that way you get a mass display. We don't want our gardens looking like museums with one of this and one of that. No, so no. if you're planting shrubs. Uh, 357 yeah. you you never just buy one of anything
5: yeah
2: and that helps your eye relax mm. in the garden instead of mm. everything being so busy yeah. so continuity
0: I, absolutely mm. and
2: i i love a border of white alyssum mm. not just for the looks but white uh, luminates at night time so if you've got it near your front door and you're saying goodbye to visitors in on a hot summer evening that white just lights it
0: glows, up it glows
2: and like I said yes uh, a, a breeding ground for beneficial insects I was out last night and the lace wings are everywhere. The driveway lights are just a buzz with mm. moths, which of course are pollinators. A lot of
0: moths at the um, ground.
2: Lace wings, caddis flies. Oh, I even had some bees out, which mm. is a bit funny. Um, the and of course the lizards are out looking for the bugs. The beetles. Oh my goodness, the the range of beetles out there is mm. quite phenomenal. Mm. So if you're sitting entertaining and you've got a light on and a beetle drops on the table. Don't
0: freak out.
2: No, don't freak out. Look at it and and work out what it is. Remember the Christmas beetles of yesteryear? Well, they they start off as lava in the ground. So quite often when people are digging up their gardens or pots and they see these curl grubs, oh, my God, it's black beetle. It's not always black beetle, folks. Mm, mm. That's where our beetles come from, the pretty Mm. ones that we Mm. used to have.
0: And speaking of calm, these flowers that you've brought in today, the colour choices are very calming, and they're my sort of colours. Explain. Well,
2: I went for a wander around the garden because Mm. I wanted to talk about what's in flower in in different areas, and I I just felt with the recent water issues that Mm. I really wanted to go the native route. Um, So I found some kangaroo paws there yellow gem i think it is Mm. and it's been flowering for quite a while so the blooms are faded so they're a lovely pastel lemon now so i've deadheaded that bush uh the grevillea which is a, a peachy apricot with lemon again that's in there uh of course the blue acacia not acacia Eucalyptus. Eucalyptus cinerea. Yeah. Which is a silver leaf. It's like the dollar dollar gum. Yep.
0: Um,
2: so there's that. And oh a couple of favourites, Osmanthus, which mm-hmm. the flowers stay on the bush just about all year round. And I picked these ones fresh Ray, but they look dried. Yeah. But I've got a dried bunch in the house that's been there for months. So they're just a fantastic dried, dried flower. Flour. And then one of my favourites in the garden, and I was thinking about this particularly this morning, the Bacchia vegata, which I planted it about 20 years ago because I wanted fillers for vases. Mm. And this has the most beautiful little white flowers, abundant, and the insects love it. So it brings a lot of pollinators, some beneficial wasps and lacewings, And they hide amongst the foliage. And, of course, then that brings the birds in because there's food there as well. Mm. So it's um, quite a shrubby plant. It's now taller than I am.
0: Bakia vergata. Yes. And does this have a common name for people like me?
2: Mm, Possibly. Mm. I'd have to check that one. Mm. It also grows in our bushland. It doesn't need water. There is also a dwarf species that grows like a little mound. So perfect for rockeries. Once again, thrives without water. So, you know, I'm starting to think that these are some of the things we need to be moving towards. And when we're thinking about even our exotic gardens, how can we uh, fill up a spot that maybe the water's missing? Get something like this that will still fit the bill but won't have that high water requirement of other plants. Of and, of course, we've got the thryptamine, which has burst into flower again.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, little tiny pink flowers, once again. Um, One of your A great ways. habitat. Yeah. Yes. And there's a range of colours. There's a range of habits. So there's something for every garden, and, and they respond well to pruning.
0: Some agapanthus, which are going crazy at the moment, the, and I've
2: got the white ones here.
0: Yeah, and the elstroemia in, yes. in a lovely soft oh salmony pink. Or, yes,
2: yeah, and that one Ray does not get any water. It's yeah. in a part of the garden where the retic's been turned off yeah, and it's surviving, as is the plumbago, the lily pilly and the towering gums. They're
0: doing well. Mm. Okay. All right, let's go to Hamilton Hill. We're chatting with Larry. Thanks for waiting, Larry.
3: That's all right. Welcome back, ladies. Thank Thank you you very much. great listening to you. We've missed
0: you. Oh, thank (laughs) you.
3: (laughs) Even if I don't have a question, it's always uh, you pick up lots of knowledge by listening to you too. Oh, good to hear. Yeah. Now, I've got... A couple of little ficus plants inside. Um, One of them is uh, losing its leaves every couple of days. It's got the stage now, it's only got two leaves left on it. I've moved it into the patio and I've put a plastic bag over it hoping to revive it. But um, I don't know what's the the other one seems to be doing all right. That's uh, been moved next to a a window with a curtain next to it.
2: All right, Larry, how long have you had the plant and how big is it? Uh,
3: We bought it just before Christmas and it's only about um, probably 400 mil high.
2: Okay. All right. I would recommend that you pot it into the next size pot. So we don't want to over pot it. When you do that, you will get an idea of what's going on with the roots. Now, it could be that it's getting over watered and or the water is sitting in a in a saucer and it's getting too wet. It could right. also be, well, if that's the case, it could also have fungus gnats. Have you seen any little insects flying around?
3: No. Okay. No, no. no, no that's
2: good. No, no. Um, yeah. and it could also be too dry even if you've been watering it because the the potting mix or the plant has exhausted the potting mix in the pot.
3: So yeah, this I is bought one of those Water meters. I usually use them when on, on all my indoor plants. And, right. Um, check that they're not too wet. Yep. You know. Um, good. We've got um, ZZ plants around the house that are thriving. They've, we've had them for years and I've used the same technique with them.
2: Okay. I, yeah. I suspect that it would benefit from being taken out of the pot, check the roots, just yeah, make it sure that it, the soil isn't <coughs> hydrophobic but putting it into a good quality potting mix and you can get some yep. indoor ones. Um, but yeah, giving it a spell outside where it gets um, filtered light, morning sun, airflow, give it a drink yeah. of seaweed. I think you'll find that it'll probably come back because if you only bought it just before Christmas, that's it's gone downhill pretty quickly.
3: It has, yeah. Mm. yeah. Anyway, oh, look, just a quick one. I've got a, a little hibiscus I've had for years in a pot outside, and it's always been pretty hardy. Um, but um, it was flowering a week ago. Now this week it's dying. <laughs> it's got three new shoots at the bottom, but the top half has all just died.
2: Right, so, okay. I
3: don't know what
2: Same scenario. i that. Yes, yeah. it, it might be if, if you've got pots around the place and they haven't had any extra love or been potted on for a few years... Sometimes putting them into the next size pot will give them a new lease of life. I yeah. would also recommend that if you want something to grow, you cut it back, but be careful doing that this week
3: yeah. because it's going right, to be then. hot.
2: So be careful. Yeah.
3: Well, the, the three new shoots look fantastic. One's even got a flower coming on it. And I thought, well, okay, what gives here? You know? Well, that's,
2: that's a good sign. But yeah, you've yeah. had a warning, you need to go and yeah. look closer.
3: Warning taken. Take okay. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks, Larry. See you. Bye-bye.
0: Bye. Bye. Okay, back in a moment. Catching Radio. And you're with Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening, our first program for the year. And, uh, yeah, it's been lovely. We're enjoying it. So much to talk about. And well, loved, certainly. Loved, <laughs> we always do, and but we'd love more to speak with you. So give John, us a call.
2: John's just told us that it's cooling down at the end of the week to well, about no, 27. my weather
0: report says 27 next Friday. Okay. So that's that's it okay. Is Maybe tapering down. Yeah. So today is the doozy. Well, course, and, and tomorrow Monday and Tuesday and Monday are sitting on thirty four, so they're they're very warm days.
2: Well, we wouldn't expect anything less no, for this time it's, of year. it's summer. The the overnight temperatures are very
0: what warm. Make
2: a difference to our lives, mm-hmm. particularly. Now, Ray, I was in the garden during the holidays, and fancy that, yeah. <laughs> I was just tizzing up an area that yeah. was newly planted last year, and plants that I put in as quick spreaders spread yeah and and it made me kind of remind people to get out there and remember who the hero is in the garden Mm. because i had this beautiful lamium plant
0: love lamium
2: green and gray foliage Mm. almost with purple flowers and it's doing really well under a bottle brush Shade. with gingers and mm. hydrangeas and, you know, um, softer, softer plants. Yeah, so mm. it's the ground cover level. But I also put in some Swedish ivy and that is lush green leaves and that's just gone nuts. So I went in and, and I cut quite a bit of that back so that mm. it's contained. I've also got ferns in that area, some of them burnt because the, French panny leaves hadn't filled out before warm weather came. Mm. And I thought, okay, I'll trim some of them back. But I was also very mindful that some of that foliage was protecting underneath as Mm. well. Mm. So I haven't cut all the dead bits back. Because some of that is acting as an umbrella. Yes. And if you do go and cut that back yes. and you get more warm weather, then you just get a burning lower down. I have the
0: same issue. I'm looking at things so, thinking that really needs a trim, but it's protecting that, that, and that, and I will leave it. Yeah. That's right. And what so, I've noticed because I have a young garden, it's only mm. two years old. The canopy this year is very different from last year mm. and, and plants that were really getting hit by the sun are not so much this year because the canopy has grown more.
2: Uh, that's amazing. And it's a wonderful thing. Well, mm. I've also got plants where the canopy has lifted exponentially mm. where it was perhaps about three metres, it's now four. Yeah, And it's opened up this big area underneath and, and other plants low down are actually getting knocked about. So I could put in a, another story of plants it in there. Could. Or I could, of course, add plants to the trunks of the, the palms and tree ferns. Bromeliads, mm. ripsalis,
0: elk horns, staghorns. horns. the lamium doing well?
2: Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. I divided this one pot
0: mm. into about
2: four plants. And it's each of those happy. plants is bigger than the original plant. Yeah, it's, it's very beautiful. It's beautiful. Mm. So... It doesn't mind a bit of dry soil because mm. the the bed is not um, well established and it's reverted to quite sandy quickly. But the trick is that it's got that canopy cover and I think that is the godsend to us gardeners. Yeah, and in our you've climate. Got, you've got to have a canopy. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That's what you've got to aim for, start, gardeners. Yeah, start, if you don't have it, start mm.
0: plotting. You need it.
2: And well, what's, what's doing well out there at the moment carimbia phycifolia oh yes i've got a magnificent apricot one Mm. with yellow centers big Mm. blooms that's burst into flower so i've uh noticed native bees on that one and a little triangle spider and another one i've got is a pink mary and it's Mm. the prettiest pink that's just burst this week it reminds Mm. me of the Snuggle Pot and Cuddle Pie. Remember Gumnut those books? babies, yeah. yeah. Had those books oh. But even the gum nuts are beautiful and the buds and, oh, it, I could just go on. Now, it does remind me that one of the emails we got in Ray was about uh, leaves on a gum tree and leaves on a spotted gum in particular. Now, I did email Jess about this because there are... Sawfly larva, yeah. that will target gum leaves. Rarely will it harm a gum tree totally, but um, the leaves can be unsightly. Don't worry about that. Your your plant is an ecosystem. So we've got sawflies and their larva will um, develop and b- often be found clustered on the gum leaves. We've also got lots of little weevils feeding on the leaves and leaf beetles, which come in numerous colours and patterns and sizes. They look like a ladybird, but with almost even prettier patterns. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's all good. You might also find lerps, which yeah. are the covering of tiny psyllids uh, in different shapes. So shell shapes or cone shapes, and these are flat, crystally houses made up on gum leaves.
0: Will any of these harm the tree?
2: No, they no. won't. Okay. Right? They will complete their life cycle there. The pardalotes, the little birds will come in and feed off the lerps on gum trees. Mm. So when people want birds in their garden, don't worry about all the little things that are also eating leaves and whatnot, because it is a whole ecosystem.
0: Okay. And now coming up at five past nine, we're talking carnivorous plants. We're talking Drosera. Have I got that drosera? right? Drosera. Yes. thank you, which is uh, the sun juice. And we're chatting with Tilo Kruger. Now he's uh, undertaking a PhD right here at Curtin University uh, and has a lot of degrees in other areas already. Uh, obviously a very accomplished um, Young, young man. Young man. Mm. Yeah, so that that will be coming up at five past nine. The news will be coming up at nine a.m. We will be back shortly. Radio. You're with Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening and we will be speaking to Tillo Kruger at five past nine. We welcome your calls on 94841927. You can email us by going to gardening at au, and don't forget we do have a podcast each week after the program uh, that John posts in the afternoon on a Saturday afternoon and you can go to uh, the au website on the front page you will see programs click on that icon and there's a drop down bar choose let's talk gardening and you can actually browse a lot of shows there
2: mm, in fact I was on there yesterday for was getting some tips from last year it's funny giving, how,
0: you, you were giving yourself tips. <laughs> well, we speak to experts on our I'm show I'm all the time, you. Ray. So much so, information, then.
2: Well, mm. it's it's a good refresher. I, I was
0: just about to say that we do need to refresh ourselves mm. and just go. So, yeah, that's right. Listening um, back to the interviews
2: yeah. we did. Um, mm. Yeah, very timely, very informative. Now I'm having a little laugh here. We we got this email from Linda, and it's titled Pond Fish, and she said seven. Several weeks ago, she heard me mention a type of fish that will eat mosquito larva in still ponds. It was something like perch and it started with P. She would be most grateful if we could let her know what it is. Well, there was a bit of dialogue happening in our email chat yesterday and it was suggested that the answer might be piranha. Piranha, yeah. I could do with
0: some piranhas over my, with the mosquitoes where I live. I could do with piranhas, not pygmy perch.
2: Yeah. But the answer was pygmy perch. Mm. So they're native fish. They um, they live quite happily with tadpoles. So if you've got a pond and you want frogs, uh, pygmy perch is one of the ways to go to mm. keep the mosquito larvae down. Mm. And it's it's very timely to do that now yeah. uh, because if you're outside entertaining in the summer months, the last thing you want around is um, mosquitoes. mosquitoes. Yeah. Mm.
0: Tell me all about it.
2: Now, another question from Marlene. She has a star jasmine that's been in a pot in a shady spot for three years, very healthy, with heaps of foliage, but has never had a flower and till this week. One flower in three years. Mm. It may need more sun, but it also might be the feed because we often talk about plants that are very... Leafy and green and they're getting too much nitrogen. So if we want a plant to flower what we need to do is use a fertiliser that will encourage that. So to give it a quick boost one of the quickest ways to do it is a liquid complete fertiliser and I'm sure I say this every week something designed for flowering and or fruiting plants. Even a rose fertiliser will do the same thing. And so you can just give it potassium but you want to give it everything it needs so a liquid like thrive power feed aquasol something along those lines will actually target the flowering aspect of the of plant
0: mm-hmm.
2: as well now we received uh some photos of a frangipani and the leaves look like something's had a go at them i've only got photos of the top leaves so pr- Patricia, can I ask you to go back and have a look at the undersides of the leaves and see if you can see any insects harbouring there? Um, another one, a smallish French penny in a pot needs to go into a bigger pot, not the garden. Can I do that now? Definitely. Yes, Pamela, uh, you can do that now. Next week, we are yes. having on the show Nellie Tarchek. Mm. And she will be talking to us all about Frangipanis yeah, and from other West Coast plants in
0: the garden. And she has a great Facebook page. Absolutely brilliant. And she's highly knowledgeable, all things frangies.
2: So she will be joining us great. in the studio Love next it. week. Now, quickly, this one, Ray. This uh, has come in from, looks like, Pam. And she has planted some scarlet runner beans, lots of flowers but no beans. The leaves are dry and scorched. There is shade cloth covering. Is there anything I can do to encourage the beans to form? And they get watered regularly. Well, I know of someone else who had this similar problem this week. Mm. And it turned sinister. So during the week, I got a call from our good friend, John Banner Savage. Yeah. And he told me that he had pulled out his whole crop of beans. And over the last four weeks, they started to die off one by one Mm. and then a whole row. Mm. And this week he pulled out the last two plants. Mm. Now, if this was any other gardener, you would go, oh, you did something wrong. But honestly, the Mm. health of the two good-looking ones that he pulled out were amazing. The leaves were tough. They were unmarked. They were green. They looked healthy. Now, the plants... uh, that were appearing scorched, that were pulled up. John inspected the roots and he found some nodules, which you would expect around beans because they are nitrogen fixing. But when he looked much closer, he did see some tiny moving bugs. So I took my camera over and got some photos. We also looked under his microscope. And I did make the comment at the time, it looks like an aphid. Mm. Now, it looked like a swollen aphid, the type that we see on our roses when they've been parasitized by mm. a wasp and they blow up and they become and brown. These were like a, a creamy wheat colour. They moved very slowly. But, of course, the minute he pulled the plants up out of the ground, they're either light sensitive or looking for the dark um, and they would disappear quite quickly. Well, he managed to get a sample, and this was collected by Deeper during the week, and we got an answer that it was the bean root aphid. Mm. As it says, it affects beans. They Their host plant is usually the family pistachia, of which we don't have a great number in perth but if you are having problems with your beans Mm. take a closer look i you know possibly this is not far spread but if people are not looking take a sample bag it look at it with a magnifying glass just look closer that's all i'm saying yeah
0: okay nine o'clock everybody 32.4 32.4 degrees right now heading for a very warm 38 our humidity is sitting at 23 percent. overnight it's going to be very warm the minimum will be 22 and the maximum tomorrow will be 34 and very similar conditions on Monday the minimum overnight of 21 and a maximum of 34 so yeah keep cool everybody and uh, look after your Animals first and foremost, and yourself and your mm. plants. Mm-hmm. Very good. So just before the break, Ray, we were talking about the bean root aphid. Yes, yes. Um,
2: but the, the message behind that too is if something does happen in your garden, go and investigate. Look close and look closer again. So that yeah. might mean you know getting all your tools, whether it's your phone or whether it's a camera, magnifying glass, etc., and looking for what might be the problem. Pests, diseases, etc. And arm yourself. Now it's as easy as sending off a report to the My Pest Guide Reporter app. And we, when we talk to Tillo shortly, very shortly, we will be talking more about citizen science.
5: Hmm.
2: Okay.
0: Okay. And speaking of Tillo, we actually have him on line. Good morning, Tillo. You're with Ray and Fay. How are you?
7: Good morning, how are you?
2: Uh, very good. good, very excited to have you here today.
7: Thank you for having me. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. our pleasure. So where do we start? Um, let's start with what you're studying and yeah, what they are for a start.
7: Yeah, sure. So um, I'm a PhD student at Curtin University and I'm researching carnivorous plants. So plants that have evolved specific um, kinds of attraction and capture mechanisms to capture animal prey, to um, g- obtain additional nutrients that help them survive in the wild.
2: So what, um, where would people find these plants?
7: So Western Australia is really by far the world's centre of diversity for carnivorous plants. That's so they amazing. grow out in the bush all around Perth. Perth is the epicenter for carnivorous plants in the world. Nowhere else are there that many species than Perth and Western Australia in particular.
0: I get goosebumps when you tell us us things like that, Tilo. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Well, it's it's like we're hearing it for the first time. Mm. And you've had to come from Germany to tell us that.
7: Yeah, totally. So I I grew up in in Germany, as you may hear from from my accent, and um, i i got interested in carnivorous plants at a very early age Um, i think I was 10 or 11 years old um, when i saw them for the first time in the wild in germany and i very quickly realized that well in germany and in fact in the world of europe there are exactly three species of these carnivorous plants that i'm researching and well i soon realized that these have been studied for a very long time, and I want to study them professionally. Um, So I got soon interested in the carnivorous plants of Australia and Western Australia in particular, because simply there are so many. There are 155 species in Western Australia alone.
2: 155?
7: Yes, almost all of them are endemic to the state. They occur nowhere else in the world. And that's why I decided to study carnivorous plants in Western Australia because there are so many and they are so poorly known. And there are new ones that are discovered every year almost.
2: Mm, that is fascinating. So when can people find them?
7: So most carnivorous plants in, in the southwest of the state, especially are kite season now. So you will usually find them during the winter and spring period. That is definitely the time when most of them are in flower. However, there are a few species that may even be um active and growing all year round, especially in the wetter areas of the south coast. Um like the albany pitcher plant, they they can be found all year round. Some sunny species are active all year round as well. But most are kite even though.
6: Mm.
2: So what's happened recently uh, and how I got alerted to this, was uh, a post shared by the WA Herbarium, which announced that there were six new slash rediscovered species and you had written about them uh, in a collaboration with other specialists from around the world. Can you tell us a bit more about that that article?
7: Yeah, sure. So that has been a major project of mine, even though it's not directly related my PhD research. So as part of my PhD research, I'm mostly studying the ecology of these plants, like what do they eat, what prey do they eat, um, what pollinators do they have. Um, but I'm also really interested in the taxonomy. So I'm evaluating species concepts within carnivorous plants and describing new species. And that is what happened recently when after almost two decades of research so some of my collaborators have been around here uh, for a bit longer than me and they have found some new species but we recently realized that many photos that are posted on social media platforms and for example also citizen science websites like inaturalist.org that these photos actually show completely new species as well. Yeah. And in total, we found six new species. And most of them are indeed for the first time, were for the first time discovered on social media or on, on the citizen science websites. And that is what this paper is all about, describing these new species that were discovered on social media.
2: Because, you know, sometimes, well, we've got so many species here and, you know, many of us are a wanna be entomologists or amateur photographers. So we go out and we photograph anything that moves and even if it doesn't, and then we share it. No and, you know, we don't know what a lot of these things are. And this actually happened listeners might remember the road trip that we had a couple of years ago. Bev, Kerry, Lynn and I headed up to see the burrowing bees and that one of our first stops, we got out of the car and I photographed a flower. And then Lynn Alcock looked at it and went oh, her her just dropped, and it was one of those drosera species, mm. so on our return, like two days later, we had to stop yeah. and I had to find it again yeah and it was it was one of those rare species
7: yep, yeah, absolutely. it was one of the new ones that we now described, and um, this one actually um I think has been collected before, so this represented in the WA, Western Australian Herbarium. Um, But again, this is the same kind of thing that happened throughout this project. People go out on a field trip, on a a wildflower trip, even a Sunday afternoon walk with with their dogs, for example, with a smartphone, and they capture pictures of a species that is unknown to science. Mm. And that is the amazing thing here about Western Australia—that you can still find these things, unknown to science, on a completely normal afternoon walk somewhere in the bush, that's
0: amazing. even close to
7: Perth, even really close to Perth in the suburbs. Yeah, it
0: and is I, what what do they like? What do they eat?
7: So um, that's that's indeed part of my actual PhD research. I'm studying um, the prey spectra of yeah. The and most of them are quite narrowly um, focused on arthropods and flying insects especially. So they don't capture like large animals. They are mostly focused on really small um, things like midges and small flies. Um, however, I'm really interested to see if there are differences in prey spectra. If different species of carnivorous plants are competing for different, for the same prey. Um, and thereby evolving slightly different prey attraction mechanisms, for example. That's one of my key research um, aims as part of my PhD project to see if there's actually um, variation in a prey spectra among species of carnivorous birds.
2: And I guess, you know, for, for photographers, if they're capturing photos, sometimes there'll be a little bug um, attached to the, well, it's almost like glue, isn't it? That that captures the yeah. insects. So that exactly. sort of information can tell you what what they're attracting.
7: Yes, so so that's again a very important aspect of citizen science. It's not just about you know finding new species of carnivorous plants. Mm-hmm. You can also learn on about their ecology using mm-hmm. these citizen science photographs. You will find photos that show a pollinator of of some carnivorous plant species that was just of interest to whoever took the picture, um, but may show, in fact, a never-observed pollinator of this particular species. Same thing for prey. Some photos might show um, a particularly interesting prey item that has never been observed on that, that being captured by this particular species. So this is, again highlighting the um, the importance or, or the potential of these citizen science photographs for this kind of research, not just for taxonomic research, but also for ecolo- ecologic research, um, and even conservation research, when people find new populations that were previously unknown of threatened species, um, that is obviously is very helpful for assessing their conservation statuses. So, so it's really kind of... Um, an important tool for so many um, scientists in in these days
2: So Tillo, are you following um, iNaturalist to look at new postings of say picture plants or or any of the carnivorous plants like if, if people went through their archives and noticed an insect on a picture plant how would they, how would you find it where would they share it
7: Yes, so I'm personally monitoring um, many Facebook groups and also a naturalist. In um, Facebook group, there's a, a group called the Wildlife Society of Western Australia. That's quite active and popular. Often looking around there, there's also a Joristera of Western Australia group on Facebook where people post interesting pictures all the time. In fact, that was one of the groups where we actually found one of these new um species that we just described. Um what, what was
0: species. that group again? To... Drocera
7: of offense. Drocera. Australia. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
7: Yeah. And um on iNaturalist I'm actually really kind active. I think I'm the yep. identifier for yeah. for Um with I think more than fifteen thousand identifications on iNaturalist. Wow. So <laughs> I will I will see it if you post the Drossera on on these on these uh, citizen science platforms.
0: Look out, I'll be posting. Now <laughs> so what is what is so special? Why are we the epicenter? Why why Perth? Why WA? What what is it that we have? Yeah.
7: That is a great great question. And the current consensus is really the long term climatic stability. Mm. So Western Australia, especially the southern parts didn't um experience like uh, glaciation events during the Ice Age in combination with um, or, or volcanic disruptions. And that is combined with the extreme poverty of, in nutrients of, of the soil. So Western Australia, especially the southern parts, have quite sandy um, and very nutrient-poor soils. And it is in these nutrient-poor soils where carnivorous plants tend to have the biggest advantage because they can get
0: yes, yes, that from, makes their, sense. from their insect capture. How and
7: that is probably the consensus of why we have so many species here ah, in the state.
0: Okay.
2: Now we've got a couple of questions from Dean Martin who is an avid carnivorous plant collector and he wants to know how to get access to your research and will it be published In the International Carnivorous Plant Society.
7: (laughs) That is a great question. (laughs) So yes, my 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 research um, has already been published. So this was actually just last week when we published this um, species description where we described six new species of sundews. And this research is open access. So sometimes these scientific journals um, charge a fee for accessing a paper. This is not the case um, for us. We have an open access agreement, so everyone of the public can access our paper and look at the, I think we got almost 20 photographs and figures, lots of um, photographs of all the species. So that is all publicly um, accessible in journal biology, where we published this research. And regarding the question of if I will um, publish um, in the International Carnivorous Plant Society newsletter. I have recently actually published there where I um, presented some of the recently described geocera species. However, that was before this new research and I will definitely um, continue to publish in the International Carnivorous Plant Society journal as well.
2: Excellent. Well, watch this space. That's all I can say. And Tilo, we would love to have you back on.
0: Yes.
2: uh, When the weather changes and... Give give our listeners a heads up as to how and where to find these species around Perth, because I know you said to me the other day that you were surprised that people up in Kalamunda did know did not know what these plants were. <laughs>
7: it's you know <laughs> if if you don't if you, if you are completely unaware, you may miss them. Yes, even though they are like almost a meter tall sometimes these climbing sundews they can be one and a half meter meters tall and quite stunning and especially in calamander when you go through the Jara forest of calamander during mm. august or september <laughs> there will be five or six species growing almost everywhere uh, and still the amazing thing again about southwest wa everywhere you go there are carnivorous plants sometimes you just have to look for them
0: exactly exactly Tilo, thank you so very much and for sharing uh, your time and wisdom on a Saturday morning with us. We'd love to have you back on air uh, this year, uh, as Faye said, getting closer to the seasons and we will be able to give listeners a heads up of how they can actually go and have a view and learn more about the magnificent drosseras and uh, we really appreciate uh, what you're doing for WA, putting us certainly again on the map. Just outstanding. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm blown away. Thank yeah. you very, very much for your time today.
7: Thank you for having me. Thank
0: okay. you. So Thank you. All right, Cheers. Bye for now. Radio. Thank you for your company this morning. The lines are open. Or well, Let's Talk Gardening 94841927. And you can email gardening at curtainfm.com.au. So I think that I might give away our $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees. How would you like to go shopping, folks? Bigger Trees is WA's leading frangie supplier, and they do also specialise in exotics, ornamental and fruit trees. And Wow. How are the frangies looking out there at the moment? They're certainly hitting their straps. Absolutely magnificent. So Bigger really does have a huge range of plants. At easily one of the nicest nurseries, I think, in Perth, it is a joy to visit. Constant flow of new deliveries each week and they provide a magnificent selection and choice. And this can all be accessed online too. Simply search BiggerTrees.com.au And don't forget to check out their Facebook page updates Now, here's John's question. This is a kind question. He's been kind because it's the first show of the year. Uh, he will get harder as the as the year progresses, as he enjoys doing. Uh, you must be a Curtin FM member not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. Question. In the 1964 song, I Believe, what do the lyrics say happen for every drop of rain that falls? In their 1964 song, I Believe... What do the lyrics say happen for every drop of rain that falls? And this was sung by The Bachelors. Okay, that is the question. Give Bev a call on 94841927. A song by The Bachelors called I Believe. What do the lyrics say happen for every drop of rain that falls? And we wish, by the way, we wish. Okay, carry on, Faya well, you You get very restless there. And when I'm talking, you're wriggling around in your seat. You're busting for something to say. Go ahead. I'm I'm doing more homework, right? So we've received the
2: email back from Patricia and she's photographed the underside of the leaf. Now John's um printed it out really well. It's hard for me like I want to pinch the paper and zoom make out. It, to make it make it bigger. Make it bigger. I can see um maybe little egg sacs or evidence of something. This could tell us what the problem is on Patricia's frange panty leaves. I will be able to have a look on my computer when I get home and make it bigger. And what I will also do is forward these images to Nellie. Um, yeah. And we, we can yeah. talk about this next weekend. Hopefully we'll have a better answer. But it does look like there's evidence of a bug. The The damage to the leaves looks to me like a, a sapsucker and maybe it's moved on. Um, with the dry weather, you know, it may improve... The other thing you could do that sometimes changes the environment is to actually wash up under the leaves. Some, some bugs like a dry environment. Mm. So if you change that environment, you, you change the whole thing. They go and live somewhere else.
0: Yeah. And you know what's wreaking havoc in my garden at the moment? Grasshoppers.
2: Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, and,
0: and not necessarily your big guy, like your regular, mm. what is he Balanga. called? Balanga. Mm. These are smaller, but they're big, green, very bright, limey green, but mm. they'd be about...
2: Oh, yes. I had one on my door last yeah, night. Yeah, they're
0: they're big.
2: But there are some really devils. special ones out there too, Ray. Mm. There's a balloon winged Katie did um, that isn't seen
0: very often. So what do his wings look like? Why is Ah, uh, they're
2: green on? and they're like a large teardrop shape side on yeah But i think yours are probably um more elongated mm.
0: who who knows yeah
2: can you get a photo
0: i will because i've yeah. got a few of these guys yeah right. yeah and and there's one in my garage last night you
2: could send me a photo you could also send it to Deepherd yeah. Yeah. and um they're very good at giving an id yeah and also telling you what you can do although they're you know there are uh, advisory service to commercial growers they're pretty handy for us home gardeners too mm. Mm. They do a great job, yeah wish now, there well, was I'm...
0: more of them because I know they're they're overworked. I know at the moment i'm outside till about eight o'clock at night mm. that's when I do you know after i've done everything else I need to do then I'm out doing a bit of hand watering and and isn't it beautiful at that time of night? I think so mm. I think so. I enjoy it
2: last night was just. So still and so warm, one of those balmy nights that you want to be out,
4: outside
2: late in, no, with but... your headlight on and scanning leaves, <laughs> as
0: we do, as, as we, we do, do. yeah. Absolutely. Well, a lot of
2: pests come out at night too, so if you're looking out in the veggie garden, that's right. You'll you'll see some funny a things, a world of activity
0: that you didn't mm. even know was going on. So yeah, definitely going out at night is uh, a must. Grab Don's headlight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. Absolutely. So I've, <laughs> but, I've had it on before. Be, be warned when you've got this
2: light in the middle of your forehead mm-hmm. that the beetles and moths come, come to in it. to say
0: hi. Mm. I know I had a cockroach <laughs> jump on me last night, actually. As they was were walking. out last night. I found a few in the garden. Yeah, they are very busy last night. Mm. Yeah, they're around at this time of the year. Yeah, classic.
2: But they're not all pest cockroaches These they're not in all... my garden
0: yeah. yeah and they drop on me and i can feel them on me and i'm trying to get them off and then they move somewhere else on my back and oh my god yeah so just the joys of gardening now we do have a winner of our 75 dollars gift voucher from bigger trees carol of subiaco so carol that voucher will be on its way to you this week in the mail congratulations and do let us know what you end up grabbing with that so thank you for playing well, I have another top tip from Bill this week. Oh, yes, I
2: know. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. He has made a portable timber and shade cloth screen sourced free from the Fremantle Council Recycling Centre. It's a shade screen that's easy to move around wherever shade is required. This one is 10 foot by three and a half foot and it's got a, um, a structural panel down the middle. It looks like a fly screen door, only bigger um, and perfect for, for putting over something to shade the plants from that hot summer sun. So, yeah, brilliant idea. Yeah, exactly.
0: And, of course, our question for our competition was in their 1964 song, The Bachelors sing a song called I Believe. What do the lyrics say happen for every drop of rain that falls? The answer is for every drop of rain that falls, a flower grows. Oh, wow! Well, wouldn't we, that be yes, nice? Yes, I know, wouldn't it just? Mm. Okay, so 94841927 is our number. What is next, Fayakaro?
2: Well... I wondered if we might have time for a song, Ray. I don't know what you think. I, you've got time. I'll keep talking. Um, but I, I was thinking this week, what would be your theme song if you oh, had yeah. one? Uh, staying Alive. <laughs>
0: I will survive. I think that's mine. <laughs> I say a little prayer. That one too,
2: yeah. For me or for my garden. Yes, well, yeah, I, I'm keen to hear what the listeners would say. I mean, at this time of year, sometimes you think you're not a
0: gardener. Hey, got a lot of living to do. Exactly, that's a
2: great theme song.
0: Yeah, yeah, I thought it was appropriate. And you were saying <laughs> off air you've been to Graceland? Yes, yes, um, we
2: went in 2015 and I remember standing by the the gravesite and you have headphones as mm, you're going through the house mm. and they talked about the day he died and mm. uh, the... Bob sled rides, he would take Priscilla on up the snow driveway and it was it was like being to his funeral. I came away bawling. Yeah. But on the upside, when we went through the house and saw his jungle room and this amazing like sixties decor, yeah. And you got to the kitchen and they talk about his mum being in the kitchen and cooking and the song Rattle Those Pots and Pans came on. Oh, I just was bopping away like it. Yeah. It took you to the highs. It was happy. It was sad. Yeah. There yeah. was all these outfits, the posters of all the movies, which of course have been on TV this week, the midday movies. Well, he's
0: just, just the just... most perfect specimen of a man to look at. <laughs> I mean, really, does it get any better than that? Oh. To me, he's perfect.
2: And the gardens were nice too, Ray. Were they? They were. Yeah. 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 Wow. Rolling lawns, white picket fences, grand house.
0: Bucket list. Mm. I bet many, many of our listeners have been there also. Okay, let's head to North Perth. We're talking about Amalaluka. Luka. Brian, good morning. Hi, Brian. Or is Hi, this how Ma- is Ma- you?
5: Yeah, good. Welcome back, girls.
2: Oh, sorry, I didn't quite catch that, Brian. I'm sorry. Welcome back, girls. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's lovely to be back. Yeah, I'm
6: having a lovely morning. Thank you. Oh, good. <laughs> thank you, um, we actually are only renting in North Perth we've got a a place in um, Bayswater which isn't ready to live in yet um, but my, my wife's been trying to get some plants growing, she's put in a Melaleuca which was going great guns but now all the growing, growing chips seem to be going dry and crumbly
2: Oh okay, um, which variety is it? Do you know Brian? No I'm sorry I'm not don't. Okay, um, so is it in the ground or in a pot?
6: It's in the ground. You know what the soil's like in Bayswater. It's that horrible, sandy, no guts sort of stuff. Yes,
2: yes, I know exactly. Now, it's quite interesting. Um. I will give you a couple of tips on growing Melaleuca. I just you. love them. There are so many different varieties. Many are endemic okay. to Western Australia They will grow in our soils once established these these days and you know I'm like you I've got sandy soil Um, I would recommend planting small plants tube stock in autumn I would improve the soil with a compost and clay mix to get it started and and probably water it the first summer then after that you you should be away. I have got some that I planted 20 years ago, put them in the ground up near the firebreak. They were on the border of the garden, hardly got any water. They're now four metres tall and the the birds... Oh, yes. Pardon? That's lovely. That's good. But, but wait, Brian, there's more. In the last edition of the Gardening Australia magazine, I wrote an article. Yes. And you could refer to that if you were interested with more tips and, and tricks about growing Melaleuca. But they are one of the most um, resourceful plants that we could have in the garden, and there's a one for all situations.
6: My wife is very much in love with this plant. Waters it well. We go over to their water. Yeah, but She was horrified the other day when all these growing tips were going dry and
2: if if it has dried out at any point while it's establishing, that could be an issue. Yeah. Another thing yeah. that you could do to protect it from the hot weather would be to grab like a branch off a, a tree that's got yeah. leaves on it, about three or so, and just poke it around the plant to give it a bit of protection in the hot weather. The key is to get it established and... Yeah. You know, if it was pot bound when you put it into the ground, it, it might it might really struggle to get going. It's a hard time of the year to establish plants.
6: It's been in for what we thought we were up and right when we first put it in it grew quite well. It's about, must be about a metre and a half tall now. But oh. All of a sudden it started this trouble. Right. Oh. Um, <sighs>
2: Is it mulched? Uh not very well, no. Okay, perhaps mulch it. Um, yeah. Is it against defense or anything? No, it's out in the open. All right, could be wind as well. Um, we've had really yeah.
0: harsh
2: wind. Mm. Um, send me a photo. I think so. Yeah, and I'll I'll see. And you know what? If if it needs cutting back, we wouldn't do that right now. We would wait a bit longer. We would wait till autumn. Um, if it's just the tips, you know, we we might be all right. It might struggle like a lot of plants for the next six to eight weeks and then there'll be a turning
6: point. I hope so. My wife is very distraught. Right. Yeah. Send me a photo if you can. I will. It doesn't get watered that regularly. We have to go over there with containers of water to water it because there's no water on the block yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy. The, watering, the but, watering's fairly
2: intermittent, yeah. So some shade as well will help. Yeah,
6: I'll do that. Okay. All right. Good luck, Brian. Thank you so much for your advice. You're welcome. Oh, I bought that uh, Gardening Australia magazine a few weeks ago. I still haven't read your article. Oh, well, oh. there you go.
0: Read away, Brian. <laughs> Take Thank care. For talking to you, All of us. All right. Thanks for the call. And we're speaking to Mary from the uh, Wildflower Society. Hi, Mary. How are you? Oh, good morning. Good, thanks. You're with Ray and Faye. Go ahead. Um,
8: I just want to say um, I um, don't know if people are aware that the southwest of WA is one of the globally recognised biodiversity hotspots of the world. There's only two in Australia. Um, And um, and in in this southwest region, there are about 8,500 native plant species, of which more than 6,400 are endemic, means they don't occur anywhere else. Yeah. Um, and they, yeah. Um, and the Perth region itself, we have about 1,300 native plant species.
2: It's um, phenomenal, isn't it?
8: Yeah. In the whole of WA, there are um, 11,673 described plant species of which 62% are endemic. And then there's another, uh, this is according to one of the top botanists, um, there's another 1,100 unnamed species, mm. many of which will be restricted or rare. And, and uh, a lot of those things you we were talking about earlier, are, you know, unnamed species. Um, we've already got 444 taxa listed as um, threatened. So, yes. you know, it's a... Yes. It's a for growing things in gardens, um, you know, we've got plenty of local plants to to use in our gutless fences, um, and
0: uh, oh yes,
8: um, and also you know they attract the um, um, lovely birds and yeah and cockatoos and so forth.
0: And Mary, where's the other um, biodiversity hotspot in Australia? Oh, in
8: Australia, oh it's in the Queensland eastern, Australia, um along the coast of Queensland and New South Wales.
0: Those rainforest type areas. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And yeah. so different. different world. World. Yeah. So different. Like people on the East Coast are oh. envious of what we've oh, totally. got here.
0: Yeah.
8: yeah, totally different. And and then in our South West area, um, uh, there are things called sub spots So, you know, the Perth region's one of those. Mm. And around Esperance is another one. But, you know, so, I mean, <laughs> fancy having, um, you know, 1,300 local native plant species to. To choose from to grow in our own gardens
0: exactly. yes
2: exactly. well this year i'd like to feature more of yeah. them and yeah. you know get people having a go are you are you involved in any of the um societies or herbarium or anything like that around
8: perth um well a lot of the welfare society people you know go and as volunteers and uh, every wednesday to the herbarium I, I used to do that but um I'm on some of the on the conservation committee and so on, but um, I, the, we did have a group, you know, about growing, growing plants and you know, had opened gardens and so forth. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the wildfire society's got a lot of branches and uh, yeah, um, there's
0: incredible knowledge they share.
2: Would you mind if I put you back to Bev and you give her your contact details for me, please?
0: Sure. Sure. Okay, we shall do that. Thanks, Thanks Mary. Mary. Thanks for the call. Okay, I put it back to Beth. I hope that's worked. Okay. Curtain radio. Straight back out to the lines. We are in Lake Coogee. We're talking about eggplant. Susan. Good morning.
4: Good morning. Um, yeah, I've I've got a little eggplant. I've just bought it. You know, an advanced seedling. Yes. And um, it's it's only about six inches tall, if that. But it's got an, an eggplant actually on it. What I'm wondering is, should I remove that so that the energy goes into the plant with it being so
3: young?
2: That will be your call, Susan. Um, If you give it love, you may be able to grow it and harvest it. So with vegetables, we need to keep them moving. We can't just, you know, bring them home and water them and and hope it will all develop. Um, Is it going into the ground no, it's in a pot. Okay. Got it in a pot. Then I recommend you put it into a bigger pot. So yeah. a friend once said to me, the bigger the pot, the bigger the plant. And that's kind of true. So you want to give the roots more opportunity to grow and access to more food. So I would put it into a bigger pot with premium um, potting mix. You could yeah. also add clay and compost because that will help keep moisture and nutrients in the soil I would add an extra handful of slow-release fertilizer and give it liquid feeds alternatively as well you know so seaweed or um, complete fertilizer for flowering and fruiting plants you really want to get that plant moving
4: right okay that's what I'll do I just didn't know if leaving the fruit on would hamper the you know, the growth of it, you know, the quick spurt.
2: Well, kind of yeah, I, I think if you do what I've said, you can get that fruit growing yeah. to maturity, but you also want to encourage the plant to grow and that means giving up lots of stuff. Keep it growing.
4: Yeah. yeah, I'll keep the little eggplant then and then I can have my cake and eat it too. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> All well, right. Happy New Year to you both. and uh, you Thank you for program. We love it. All right. Thanks, Susan. Cheers. Thank
0: you. Bye. Okay. And tell me, the last six weeks, what have you been doing in your garden? I have. I mean, you did so much before Christmas. Mm. I mean, have you just been able to sit back and enjoy it?
2: Oh, Ray, I kind of got over parts of it, like I just wanted to turn off. And yeah. when I when I turn off, that's picking up the camera.
0: I gather that, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then,
2: you know, when it's warm, I sit there for hours and hours during the night and I process photos and I put them up to iNaturalist. So I've now got 829 species identified on our property mm. and climbing. It's getting harder to tick over different ones but I was I have rejoined the camera club and I was looking for a photo to put in for their close-up exhibition yes to challenge myself not to win yeah, yeah. Um, and to get better at photography because that's how how people learn about what they're seeing in their gardens through photos and then joining the dots I guess um, and I love to understand about the life cycles so one of the photos that I came across from two years ago was when I was out. Fungi hunting, and there were some beetles there. But I noticed the shell of the beetles was like the hammered copper. Do you remember those old pictures? You know, they, they yeah, bashed copper? Yeah.
0: Yes, I do. Well, it was like
2: that, which is quite a unique feature. Yeah. So I put that up on iNaturalist, and one of the people who identify things um, identified it as Merix Ragosa. Uh, and so this has been sitting in my photo albums for two years and it is the first record for WA. That doesn't mean that it's the first finding. Mm. You know, it could be sitting in a shelf in a museum or ag department, you know, unnamed, unrecognised type thing. But, yeah, the first record. Now, it is a tiny beetle. There were a few of them. And they were between the bark where there's fungi. So probably a certain time of the year. So this is the sorts of things like when Tillo was talking about the picture plants, I'm pretty sure I've got a photo of a picture plant Mm. from quite a few years ago when I wrote an article about carnivorous plants for the Garden Gurus magazine. And I'm pretty sure that trip to Albany, I got a photo of a bug On a picture plant. Yeah. So this is the sort of evidence that goes towards understanding what pollinators Mm. might have a relationship with the Mm. plant. So, yeah, in answer to your question, Eddie got me a headlight for, you know, a head headlight Christmas present there? Okay, groovy. And so each night I said to him, see you later. See you later. He's so used to you. I know. So I've been trudging around in the bush. I found a different grasshopper the other night. I found Bees that I could couldn't hardly even see that big. Like that little space between my fingers, people is like three millimeters. Yeah, hanging on the end of dead twigs in a melaleuca. Uh, beetles that are doing the same thing, lace mm. wings. Mm. You know, it's it is magical. And the driveway lights, particularly where the Geraldton wax is. Three beetles on one stem and then moths and caddisfly.
0: Everything is alive. Yeah. Yeah,
2: Yeah. and little um, mantispids. So they're they're like, well, they're a neuroptera, so lacewing family. And they've got these little legs and there's like four of them hovering around the light. But it was funny because back, it was 12 years ago, I think, when I took... My first photo of one on the shade cloth, and back then I didn't know what it was. Yeah, yeah. You know, like we get these pictorial images in our mind, so when we're out looking, we actually see things. We start to join the dots. Yeah. And speaking of that, I've been asked to speak at the Calamunda Garden Festival, That's and I, right. I have just come up with the title. Poor Andrew, I made him wait. I have to channel what what the title of my talk will be. And I'm going to call this one "I Spy with My Little Eye." And
0: when will you be giving the talk? That's the fifth of March. The fifth of March. So that's quite soon. Mm. So gee, they've got a lineup of uh, guest speakers this year, haven't they? The Kalamunda uh, Garden Festival. They just really know. From all over Australia. I mean, phenomenal effort. They're
2: up to about fourteen. Yeah. 14 events, I think. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, not to be missed. Yeah. Yes. No, I absolutely. definitely want to get along to those. I think it's going to be incredible. Okay, we've got about seven minutes left of the program. If you have a gardening query, Curtain Radio in Perth. This is Let's Talk Gardening
2: by Karen. Well, Ray, we've got a good lineup for next week's show.
6: We've
0: yeah. got
2: Rob Melville. From Melville's Rose and Garden. Yes. And we're going to see how he's going and also autumn rose pruning time. So we'll be able to give listeners a heads up about getting ready for their autumn flush because autumn's not that far away, believe it or not. Good,
0: (laughs) good, I say. Mm -hmm. And
2: Nellie Tarchek, and she'll be talking about frange panties and taking calls on all things. So she'll be joining us in the studio. Oh, Ray, what have, what else do we have to talk about? I was just saying that, you know, here we are in the new year and people might be thinking
0: about making New, new Year's resolution. resolution. Have you made one?
2: <clears throat> I haven't been in the zone to make one. I'm still, you know, tossing up what I should be doing in my garden, shuffling plants. Well, sorting plants. I have been following the decluttering I was about to say,
0: I think decluttering is a big one for me Mm, this year. The
2: garden bit is a bit hard though. But but I'm taking steps and I've got some new terminology. So I tell myself, okay, I'm going out for 15 minutes and I'm going to tidy up, for example, the barn area. Hmm. And I'm going to start by putting like with like. Mm. I'm not buying any more potting mix or products until I've used what I've got. And white space. Now, white space, when you're decluttering, is a surface. So it might be your office. It might be your kitchen. You need to have it. It might be your hot spots at Mm. the back door where, you know, your seedlings come Mm. or whatever. Make white space. That means clearing up, putting everything away mm. and and then getting back to decorating. So just having that one simple thing. So also raking up leaves. I've been doing a lot of that. Mm. To, I'm filling up two bins a week with our Good gum leaves. Great. Keeping on oh, well, top of it. of course, it. at your yeah. place. But
0: I mean, honestly, I know you sent me a message a couple of weeks ago and your garden is so large and you have so many plants that you really feel that, you can't keep up with
2: it all. Well, I can't, I can't you know. No. Other things creep in and yeah. other things get thrown at me. And yeah. so you you just got to do what you can do. But I what I can do Will is you... sort out my shade houses. Yeah. And I've started doing that. The plants that are outside the shade houses are surviving on minimal water. Mm. And so I'm also building up that repertoire of what plants will do okay without water mm. and what we'll do with minimal mm. and putting putting plants in their right place so hydrozoning so
5: mm. i've got a lot
2: of baskets on the veranda but they've got to be out of the wind i've got a lot yeah. of broms. some can go into the garden dare i say i will sell some um
0: i think it's time
2: <laughs> it, it's a really hard thing and then you it get to that it shouldn't be
0: so hard it shouldn't be so hard
2: yeah but you know, I know they're all they your babies. Have, I know they have a babies. memory. I've grown them with love. So you get them to looking amazing <laughs> and then, and then, you then some... you've got to say goodbye to them. Mm. Then you've got to put a price on them. Are you going to put them on Marketplace? Do you sell to friends? You know, like, oh, I, don't, I don't really sell to friends. I'll give things to yeah. friends. Yeah,
0: no, I sell to your friends. Yeah, absolutely. Put well, a that means I've got to go around and... and price everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's hard. Yeah.
2: But the Fern Society show fair, Garden Society's fair, is coming up on the 18th and 19th of February. Okay. So I will prepare some ferns for sale. There, I've said it, and that's, that will take care of half of one of my shade houses.
0: There you go. We're started. <laughs> but this is very cleansing, isn't it, George? <laughs> it's hard it's hard all right thank you everyone it's been a really nice morning and we sure have appreciated your company and we appreciate bev Dering and john glidden who assist us with let's talk gardening we will return next week of course george Minoldi is next with the classic 60s till 12 noon then we go country with brendan t my gardenism for the morning is the garden is a metaphor for life And gardening is a symbol of the spiritual path. (laughs) Whoa. And it's our first show for the year. What's next? Happy gardening, everybody. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.